Greetings, people of the interwebs. I have survived Con Carolinas, and I'm currently experiencing the post-con crash that a lot of folks have. It is both physical and emotional in nature, as we readjust to the lives of ordinary mundane humans. Accursed Earthlings! I must find a less obstinate species to prey upon, and soon. But I digress. Con Carolinas. I have my schedule here that you'll be able to hear here. Hear all that paper rustling around? That's a horribly deformed schedule that's been in my pocket the entire weekend and is now starting to look more and more like papyrus. But I'm going to look over it real quick and see if I can talk about what some of the high points were for me. This was for Con Carolina's 2014. For any of you who might be listening in the far future on your Holocube entertainment systems, I went to some writing panels. I went and saw some of the screening of the silent film The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is a favorite of mine. I think they actually did something kind of interesting with the version I saw at that particular particular showing, but before I get into that, I will mention briefly that there was a room numbering issue. It wasn't really big. I didn't care. I figured it out eventually, but during that brief interval as I was dashing back and forth trying to sort it out, I discovered that one ballroom that can be partitioned off has sections labeled 1, 2, 3, and 4 in Roman numerals, of course, because this is the time of the Roman Empire. Oh wait, no it isn't. Never mind. Anyway, actually come to think of it in a way, it still is, but I will not get into that right now, because that gets into an issue of separation of of church and state, and I am not about to get into a conversation about that over the internet. <laughs> but I digress. Again, it's a talent of mine. Anyway, the ballroom has sections labeled 1, 2, 3, and 4, and they only split the ballroom into three sections, one of which took up the space of two of them, so that they could have one big room and two smaller rooms. The cabinet of Dr. Caligari was showing in one of the smaller rooms. The thing is, the programming that was listed was listed as main programming, programming 2, and programming 3. Three. And as it turns out, they made the first two sections of the ballroom into the little rooms, and the last two sections into the big room. So it turned out that programming tracks main, number one, programming two, and programming three were in ballroom sections three, two, and one, respectively. So you had to employ a little voluntary dyslexia to kind of sort that out. That programming one, two, and three were in ballroom sections three, two, and one. So there was that. But eventually I figured it out. It was no big deal. And as it turned out, it was actually listed that way in the big program when I went back and looked at it later. So it looks like they did do that on purpose, but there were still a few moments of comedic amusement as a couple of other folks started talking to me about it and trying to sort it out as well. And one of the volunteer staff said that apparently there was some kind of a last minute change. So who knows what manner of witchery was going on behind the scenes? What manner of tomfoolery or indeed terpsichore or other words that I don't fully understand, but that sound cool when you use them. But anyway, the interesting thing about this showing of the cabinet of Dr. Caligari is that they were using techno music to run behind it instead of the music that was originally supplied. There's always that question about the original music for a silent film because it was a thing where I believe they would send out sheet music perhaps or someone to play at the piano while the film was running or an orchestra would play or something else would happen. But in any case, the music had not yet been wedded to the film tracks. That happened a little bit later. Perhaps one day I will talk about a strange familial connection I have to the jazz singer, but that's a topic for a different time. Anyway, while I know a lot of purists will balk at putting techno music behind the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, I think it actually kind of worked. I think the track that they put in kind of kept the pace up. 
to a certain extent. It gave a sort of a sense of urgency that the original score doesn't quite convey. Now, I still like the original score, and I think it conveys different ideas that work just as well, but I thought it was really interesting the way that they threw in this more modern take on it. I kind of liked it. I went to see part of a recording of Gallifrey Pirate Radio for the first time. It's a show hosted by my friend Drew, whom I've known for the better part of two decades and used to run RPGs for. Hysterical guy, cool guy, and Davey, whom I've known for a few years and seems to host pretty much every panel, or at least, say, half of them, perhaps. Perhaps between one-third and one-half. I don't know, but it's a lot and they were talking a lot about recent high points in the TV series, and we all sat there and geeked out, and it was lovely. Also, initially on Friday, I tried to get into a panel called Six Guns and Sorcery, which was a writing panel, and I probably could have gotten in, except it was one of the first ones I arrived for, and I got confused by a line of folks that had formed outside the door for the George R.R. Martin signing that was to follow that panel about, oh, let's see, according to this schedule, it indicates, yes, about an hour and a half later. There were already people in line at least an hour and a half ahead of time. But of course I didn't quite realize that that was what was going on. I thought perhaps there had been some sort of schedule mishmash and that rooms had been taken over or whatnot. But later on I figured out that was not necessarily the case. Actually, overall, I thought they did a really good job of wrangling the folks who were there to see Martin. It was nowhere near as difficult to navigate around them as I thought it was going to be. There was the occasional huge line that was blocking the way a little bit. But whenever I actually had an idea to go somewhere, I was always able to get there in a reasonable amount of time. So kudos to them for actually getting those folks grouped in ways that made sense for what was going on and the size and shape of the building and all that. At least from my perspective. If you were in line or tried to get in line, then you may have a different perspective. I don't know. But for my part, I expected to have to bring rubber nuclear weapons to deploy against the lines of people on Saturday, but it turned out I didn't have to, so that was good. Especially since I could probably barely get my hands on an encounter bat these days, and that probably only with clearance. But anyway, Friday night I also got to see a gentleman tell some ghost stories, which were really good. Some southern ghost encounter type things, and I'm pretty sure he was probably exaggerating. There were a lot of stories he was telling as though they had happened to him, which actually in a lot of storytelling traditions is what you do. It's how you present it, and that's always the way that I've kind of seen things presented, at least by southern ghost storyteller type people. But it was fun also in that music was being provided by Braxton from Valentine Wolf. I actually interviewed those charming people with Valentine Wolf a little while ago. You can find that interview further back on the blog if you're so inclined. Very nice people. And good musicians. They play some kicking stuff. Chamber metal. And for the ghost stories, the electric bass provided a really good atmosphere, and I really liked it. It was really good. At least I think it was an electric bass. You see, this is now where I may lose some degree of cred if I get this wrong, because I'm supposed to know these things. But I am afraid I do have a little bit of trouble telling the difference between an electric cello and an electric bass. Having worked in radio and being a conductor's son, this is a distinction I should be fully aware of, and a subject on which I should be fully in command of the facts. But a lot of things seem to rattle around in my head, and they all vie for attention, and, well, the result looks a lot like early onset Alzheimer's to any observer. But anyway, it was good. Tried to go to a room party that evening. There was only one room open, and it looked as though it was probably full of androids, so I avoided it. At least I think there were androids. They were all kind of having a very subdued good time in a way that signaled to me that they might not be human. So I avoided that problem and just went home and went to bed. Now day two... Day two, of course, for most cons, is the one that will take up the most paper on a schedule. So I'm not going to go into large detail, because then I'll be sitting here talking all night, but I'll pick a couple of things here. 
I went to more writing panels that day. I spent a good deal of time wandering around and chatting with people in the dealer's rooms and in the hallways and all over the place. It's always interesting to go to these conventions, especially the local ones, because I run into lots of people that I know. And it happens a lot when I'm talking to one person and then someone from another circle, someone from a different collective of individuals, if you will, comes up to me and starts talking. And I then have to figure out the linguistic acrobatics required to merge the two conversations, which are likely about two completely different subjects. So that's always fun. And it's fun introducing people who may or may not know each other. But in the midst of it, I popped in with my friend Jay to watch The Call of Cthulhu, the silent film adaptation. So yes, there was a silent film sort of motif for me this year a little bit. Does it require three instances to be a motif? There were only two this year. But anyway, motif or not, my friend Jay Reckward, who is also a very good author of Sword and Sorcery, he and I dipped in and watched the 45-minute movie The Call of Cthulhu based on the story by H.P. Lovecraft. It is the most faithful adaptation of that story I have ever seen, and I think it's excellent. And one of the awesome things about it was that it was made with a zero budget by the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society, who I believe are out in California. And I'd seen the movie before, I have a copy of it somewhere, but Jay never had, and I hadn't seen it in a while, so I wanted to see it again. And it seems to hold up with every viewing. They did a lot with the resources that they had, and making it as a silent movie was really kind of appropriate for it, I think. I think it would have been very difficult to tell the story as a talkie, because I think in a way, having it as a silent movie makes having the three different narratives that that story includes a bit easier. I think it has something to do with the fact that you're reading the screen, and so you have set up in your mind a kind of an expectation that you're going to need to be an active participant in this movie, and in taking things in, see how things link together, and kind of unlock it like a puzzle, which, coincidentally, is what the main character in that movie also has to do. So that works nicely as well. We really enjoyed it. Let's see, I also went to a transhumanism panel, where we talked about the interaction of humanity and machines and what have you. And later that night, I went and wandered by a number of room parties. The floor where they were having them had several, so I could just sort of bounce back and forth between them, which was awesome. I concocted a few experimental drinks, and I think perhaps in another life I was a mixologist, I don't know, but there is this strange desire when I get around a lot of different bottles of alcohol to experiment with them and combine them in strange and horrifying ways. So perhaps one day, if I have time, I may want to learn more about mixing drinks. I discovered that Diet Sunkissed makes a much better mixer than I thought it would. A very strange thing, that. And that night I tried the blue stuff. That sort of thick blue liquor. That Romulan ale. That thing that you see sometimes probably in barber shops that they use to clean combs, perhaps, as Larry Miller once said. I had never tried the blue liquor, so I thought to myself, here, here, Jim, you have an opportunity to try out the blue liquor and find out if it is everything everyone says it is. The blue stuff was amazing, and I urge everyone to avoid it like the plague. I just a little while ago got my peripheral vision back, and it's been a couple of days now, so unless you want to get as close as you can to the experience of drinking a pangalactic gargle blaster in real life, don't do it. It's wonderful going down. It tastes great, but it does hit you rather like a jackhammer. I wandered around for quite a while wondering if I was still in the same dimension. So this was an experience that was either really bad or really good. Possibly both at the same time, I'm not sure. Day three, Sunday, was too short as Sundays at cons always are. Only a little bit of paper rustling on that one. 
I attended more writing panels, mostly to do with things like once you've written yourself into a corner, how to get out of that corner, and things like getting your writing groove back if you've lost it, and mostly apparently the secret there was to just change the input to affect the output. In other words, look at different things, do different things, change what's happening immediately in front of you, just for a bit, to see if you can get back into the swing of writing. Not bad advice all in all, and I finally for the first time got to see Sci-Fi Whose Line Is It, based on the old show Whose Line Is It Anyway, and this was hosted by podcasting's Rich Siegfried, the creator of Two Minute Danger Theater, and a bunch of other forms of audio candy, and my buddy Drew was among the performers in that as well, and it was a lot of fun, it was pretty amusing. There was one section that they did as a sort of sales pitch TV show in front of a studio audience thing based in the Game of Thrones world that I didn't quite get because I have not yet had the opportunity to look into the Game of Thrones or Song of Ice and Fire stuff, but a lot of people in the audience got it. And really, this was the con to do it at because, of course, once again, George R.R. R. Martin was there, so there were likely to be a lot of his fans in the audience. But that was a lot of fun, and then finally I went to the closing ceremonies, and that was it. The con was at an end. And I think I've just got to say, something that has remained the same for me for the entirety of my con-going life is that the thing that I find most fun about these sorts of events is not just the networking, but also hanging out with people and chatting. Hanging out with my friends, catching up with them, and being introduced to new people and hanging out with them. Human interaction with people who have similar interests, or at least compatible interests. There were multiple thousands of people at this con, from what I understand, and as I walked the hallways I would get that sense that I could just start talking to any one of them, because they were there for the same reason I was. That's one of the things that actually you have to recover from a bit when a con ends, because you might be walking in a mall or store or something and see someone and want to just start talking to them, but you can't, because you're back in the mundane world and they will be afraid of you. So it's sad having to come back down to Earth and deal with its unfriendly nature and fear and paranoia. But until I can afford to buy an island and create a Geektopia on it, or commission a space station and have a Geektopia in it, I'm just gonna have to deal with it. But hey, in the meantime, there's always the internet, such as it is, and there will be more conventions in the future to be excited about. But for now, I think I've rambled at you for quite long enough, so take care and I'll see you all of a sudden. Music by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com.